And away we go. This is the BCJ podcast right here on Bearcat Journal, brought to you as always by our good friends at the Holy Grail. Baseball season just around the corner. Now, you might not be excited for the Reds, but you're still going to be down at the banks. You're still going to go to the Holy Grail. You're still going to get yourself some good food, some good drinks, and support our longest tenured sponsor, somebody that's always been there for us here at Bearcat Journal. So make sure you're there for them. Get down to the Holy Grail banks, especially when Dora really gets swinging this spring and summer, and enjoy yourself a very good time. All right, that's enough with the the formalities. Let's get right to the show. We have a big guest tonight. We uh, we we went Coach Googans from the baseball team on Monday night. We back up our our head coaching theme, and this uh, this show with Dave and I. We are joined now by Cincinnati head football coach Scott Satterfield. His first performance here on the network. No pressure, Coach. How are you? I'm doing great. Is that what this is? A performance? It's a performance. Yeah. yeah this however is all, you want it's it to all be. Performance art. <laughs> yeah, <good. laughs> Excited to be here. We're glad to have you. Uh, so, how has how has life been? How is uh, what we're it's about about three months in now, or two months in now here to uh, your time at Cincinnati? February, you get a chance to almost breathe a little bit. How has the whirlwind been for you here the first eight, nine weeks or so? You know, it's, it's been awesome. You know, I think, uh, number one, just meeting a lot of people here that have been great, for, you know, for me and um, and, and our guys, our coaches um, that have come in here. So it's been great. It's been a whirlwind. I mean, it has. It's been very, very busy. We hadn't had a whole lot of time to relax and, and do many fun things, um, which we like to do. We, we like to live life uh, as well as coach from football. But um, we hadn't had an opportunity to, to do much of that. You know, it was a lot of recruiting. And, and now you mentioned it, you know, we're in a we're in a period now that's called dead period in February. So we can't spend more time with our players. Um, and that's what we've been doing. You know, we've been doing some workouts um, in February and um, it won't be long. We'll be starting spring practice. We're looking forward to that as well. So but it's been fun. It's been good to get to know the guys and the players. And, you know, and I, I feel like as a as a head coach, you know, I've been here, you mentioned almost two and a half months, but I haven't had much time to spend with the players. You know, and I think that's the thing that we that we got in this profession for is to spend time with players, help develop players and developing, you know, football players with men and all, all the other things. So, um, you know, we're excited about this time in February and March. It's getting ready to happen. What are you learning so far as you're getting your first, like, real chance to sit down with these guys? What are you learning about the roster that you've inherited here at Cincinnati uh, as you're you're getting your initial look? Yeah, you know, and it's – it's uh, <laughs> that part's interesting. You know, we're, you know, because we're trying to figure all this out. You know, we, you know, when we got in here, um, you know, of course, anytime you have a head coaching change, you're going to have some guys leave. We had guys go to the NFL. Some some left, you know, had a year left on eligibility, but they went ahead and left. We had some guys get in the portal and get out of here. We had seniors, you know, so, and then we brought in some players, you know, so we brought in about 15 players, you know, in the portal. And, you know, but now just getting to know the guys, getting around them, I think a couple of things that stand out. Um, they're eager, you know, they're, they're hungry. Um, they're attentive to what we're, we're asking them to do. And, um, you know, it's fun to walk into a room. It's fun to walk into a field and, and watch them do some things and, uh, walk into the weight room and watch them get after it in the weight room. Uh, you know, so I, I think this team is, uh, has, has all those attributes. Now, you know, once we get in there and start doing some football stuff, we'll start figuring out, all right, you know, who can play, who's got some work to do. Uh, you know, we'll figure those things out once we start spring practice. But right now, I think everybody's just eager to get to work and, and, and start doing some things. 
we got opinions on all those things if you ever want to ask. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. Yeah. Dave? You've had a chance to meet with uh, the media and, and kind of introduced a few of your assistant coaches, but just on the on the whole, like what what did you like most? What have you what are you most excited about with the staff that you were able to put together? Yeah, I mean, I think you know we brought a few guys over from Louisville that's been with me for a few years. Um, you know, guys that obviously I've been I've been working with. I mean, I know how they operate. I know I know how they're going to develop players and 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 be you know spend time with the guys and pour into the guys. I think. I think that's important, obviously. Um, you know, I think, you know, coming in here and, and, and number one, hiring Kerry Combs and, and solidifying that, that piece has been huge for me. A guy that's, that's you know, that's number one, coached high school football right here in Cincinnati, did a tremendous job with that, but also coached at Ohio State, coached with the Tennessee Titans, been in the NFL, um, you know, obviously been here and know, know our guys. I think that was important. It's been fun to get to know him a little bit more. And, um, you know, see how he works. And then, you know, Coach Stewart, I think, you know, Walt has been great to know. He played here at Cincinnati and, you know, a guy from right here in Ohio as well. And so it's been good to get to know him as, as we've gone through this process. Uh, you know, and, and then just kind of putting the whole staff together. You know, when we came in here, you know, not only hiring the football, the, the full-time coaches, but then you're hiring our recruiting department. I mean, we've got, I don't know, maybe five or six different people we've hired in that department which that's been new and, and and that's been fun and exciting. We've hired, you know, we got five guys in the weight room now um, that we've hired and, and, you know, with Nico, coach Nico has been tremendous. That's who our guys have been working with, you know, really all of January and February, um, you know, so it's been, it's been fun for me to kind of sit back and just watch these guys work and, and get after it. And, um, you know, with this staff coming together um, as a head coach, that's one of the, the things that you enjoy is to kind of seeing these guys work and, 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 you know, pour into these student athletes. I wanted to, you brought up kind of the support staff and everybody, and I wanted to bring up one guy in particular in Zach Grant and, you know, the general manager role. I think a lot of people are familiar with what that means from an NFL standpoint. I think more and more colleges are now implementing that. What, you know, just the, the 30,000 foot view, what are kind of his responsibilities at working with you whether it's roster management, things of that nature, like how does that work on the college level? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're in a new era of college football, you know, and now we're going to the big 12, which is really a new era for Cincinnati football, you know, and, and, and things are different, you know, we're, you know, at the power five level, it's extremely competitive. You know, we're, you know, we're playing established teams in this league that have been around for a long time and played at the highest level, you know, so you have to put together, a scouting department, so to speak. I mean, very similar to the NFL now, to where, um, and, and Zach's going to head that up. And and what that what they do, they do a lot of things. Um, you know, you mentioned roster management. You know that that part is huge. You know because of what's happening now with college football teams, and it's happening all over the country. After the, after the season, you know, guys are getting in a portal. They're testing that out. They're seeing where they can go. You have seniors that are leaving. You have NFL guys that are leaving. You have to fill that roster back up. And so you do that in a couple of different ways. You know, you, you recruit high school players. And so this the scouting department. It has to be recruiting high school players throughout the whole season, the whole year. They have to know about all the players in our area, number one, in the city of Cincinnati, but also Ohio and the surrounding areas. But then we also have to recruit the portal. You know, we have to be able to jump in the portal and to recruit these players that are out there that are looking for opportunity. Um, that maybe want to come play here at Cincinnati. So, um, and then you're also recruiting junior college. I mean, so there's there's a lot of aspects to what they're doing. 
within that that department and all they're doing. I mean, they're watching film all the time, every day. Um, and we're meeting with our staff um, every single day. We're, we're getting together and, and we're going over guys. We need to be watching um, individually, but also collectively as a staff. And, and they're just they're heading that up. And it, it's a I mean, it's a full time job. It doesn't stop recruiting. Doesn't matter if it's a dead period or you know live period. It doesn't stop. We're always in constant contact with those recruits. Um, and Zach is heading that up. And so he's got a great structure, great organization to be able to do that and get that done. How much have you discovered already in these eight or nine weeks? You've always known being a coach, how good the talent in Cincinnati is at the high school football level, but you've gotten out on the road. Now you've gotten into these high schools. You've been around with Carrie and started to get to, to yep. meet everybody. How different is the understanding now of like what that means to UC? Because it's obviously different than anywhere else. Yeah. Oh man, it's extremely important. I mean, the, the one one of the draws for me to be able to come over here and coach at Cincinnati is the football that's right here, how good it is. And you know, I think it starts with the high school coaches. The high school coaches here in, in Ohio and Cincinnati are some of the best coaches in the, in the entire country. They have pride about what they're doing. They they enjoy pouring into the student athletes and, and the guys that they have in their schools. Um, to them, it's not just a job. Like like that like this is their passion. This is what they love to do. Um, you know, and they get after it. I mean, being able to go, I was riding around with, with Coach Combs and you know around Cincinnati, going to a bunch of high schools throughout January. Man, you watch the guys work out. You watch how these coaches talk about their players, um, how they care about them you get a sense about that. And so that just pours down to these high school players. You know, they've been hearing this since they were in the ninth grade, ninth, 10th, 11th grade, 12th grade, and now it's time to go to college. And for us to be able to recruit to that, to get them here, I think there's a, there's a, there's a huge sense of pride in, in number one in this city, but also in the state of Ohio. And, and we have to recruit that. Like we have to be able to get those guys to stay home, to come play right here um, you know, now we're now we're in the power five. That, that's one thing they can't say. Hey, I want to go play a power five. That you can right here. And and so I think going around and, and really just seeing these players and, and these coaches, um, it's awesome. And and this and it's a great state for that. So we can recruit our base of our roster right here in this state. And we'll continue to do that. Um, you know, and then and, you know, we got we got coaches that have ties to, you know, a little bit further south or or, you know, up into, up into Michigan or Chicago, St. Louis, and some of these other areas, Indianapolis. So um, we're going to continue to do that as well. But our core recruits have to be right here in this city. Dave. You, uh, you mentioned earlier around 15 guys in the portal. Just how would you – how do you think that went? Did you, you know, hit a lot of your goals? Is there a group that you're kind of most excited about? And then – I know recruiting never stops, but do you see your do you see yourself adding additional guys later on when the second window opens? I'm sure there's there's still plenty of guys out there that are technically in the portal but have not made a decision. So just kind of take us through how you felt in kind of such a rush time period. How you think uh, the portal went for you guys? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think we did a good job in the portal. I think it's always a challenge, and anytime you're taking a, a new job, so you're moving over to a new school and. I think that's a challenge, but but I do think we we hit some some needs uh, of on guys. And you think about the offensive line, that's number one. I think Luke Kandra, who's a kid that played at, at Elder, you know, right here in Cincinnati, that was with us at Louisville, that came over here and um, you know, you know, was a starter for us there. You know, he's a great player. He'll be really good for us here. 
um, wanted to come back and play in his hometown. I think I think he was a great addition. Um, you know, I think you know Trevor um, able to get get him from the Ivy League to come down. Who's a guy who who started at center and guard for many years, the captain on that team. I love the leadership that he's bringing to our players here. Um, I think that's been great. Um, so offensive line was certainly a need there. Um, you know, we'll continue to look at, at that. You know, I think tackles, you know, left and right tackles always the position you want to continue to recruit. It's one of the hardest positions, I think, to recruit for college is the is the tackles, um, you know, because you want length. You want guys that are 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, that have some length out there. So we're going to continue to recruit that, that position. Uh, Dorian Jones was a linebacker that we were able to, to bring over from Louisville that played a ton for us over there. Um, I think it's a really good player that will help us here as well. Um, you know, and I think uh, D Wiggins is a wide receiver that we brought over as well. And I think D D was a starter for us, got hurt in the third game, missed the whole season. So he's still got some football ahead of him in his career. Um, but I do think we'll continue to, to recruit this, this may, um, as we go through spring, we're evaluating every position. You know, we're looking at, all right, who, who, do, what position do we think we need to add some more guys to give us either a uh, potential starter or, or more depth. I think, um, you know, wide receivers is a position of need for us, you know? So I think we're going to continue to look at wide receiver out there to see what we can bring in. You know, you know, we lost some great players at, at, at that spot. Um, you know, I was down in the senior ball, watched Tucker run around down there in, in Mobile and, you know, obviously, you know, miss that speed and miss that kind of guy that we need to knock top off. And so that's one thing we'll be looking for as well. Um, you know, so I'm excited about, you know, what we, what we got to work with this spring. I think we as coaches are going to have a much better idea once we start spring practice, you know, day after day to see where we're at with it, evaluate that and really figure out what we're going to need. You had a, a successful season your first year at Louisville when after making the jump from App State. Do you see a correlation to this situation jumping from, you know, uh, the American conference into the big 12 and kind of what are some things that you learned in that first year that you might think benefit the staff and, and can, can lean on the players, you know, that are, that are similar to what they're going to experience now. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting, you know, because it's different, you know, obviously when I went to Louisville, they had already been in the ACC, you know, they didn't win any games the year before we got there in the ACC um, two games overall, and we were able to win eight, you know, and beat Mississippi State in the bowl game. So this is a little bit different now here at Cincinnati because, you know, we're going from the AAC to the Big 12. We're playing some teams that are well-established within that Big 12. Our first Big 12 opponent, Oklahoma, here in Nippert, which is going to be unbelievable. That'll be tremendous. And so there's a little bit of difference there, I think. Um, you know, so you, you're going to have to, again, evaluate the roster as we go through spring practice to kind of see where our strengths, weaknesses are and, you know, figure out where we need to fill in. You know, I, I look back on this on Cincinnati football, you know, two years ago, had nine guys drafted. You know, this year we have uh, six or seven guys going to, to the combine, six. you know, off this team. Six guys. Yeah. So, you know, that's a lot of talent that, that is moving on. And, you know, how much talent do we have left on the roster and then how much talent do we need to bring into the roster? So in order to compete for Big 12 championships, because that's what we're here for. We're, we're here to compete in a Big 12 championship. Um, we know, uh, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, this is their last year in this conference. There's going to be some changes over the next couple of years. So we're going to try to we're going to try to, you know, get our roster to a point 
or we can compete for championships. I mean, that's why we're here. And and I know in this day and age in college football, well, it doesn't matter. College basketball, football, pick a sport. You got to be relevant. You got to be competitive. And, um, you know, so we're going to do our best to put a roster out there that, that's going to be competitive. I'm curious, the jump from Appalachian State to the ACC, was that a bigger jump than you expected in terms of like everything you needed to be ready to compete at a, at a power five level. And then on top of that, how can you take that experience of what you learned early at Louisville and bring that here to help transition maybe a little faster? You know, I I kind of, this is kind of unique in the situation because when I was at App State and I became the head coach in 2013, we were in the Southern Conference, which is FCS football. 2014, we went to the Sun Belt group, which is Division One, Group of Five, and it, there was a jump there. There's no question there was a jump. And and when I left App State, you know, we were very successful there. You know, we, you know, we we took Tennessee in overtime. We we took Penn State in overtime. Um, you know, we lost to Wake by one. I mean, you know, the, the year I left, they beat North Carolina and South Carolina at App State with the team that we had built there. Um, you know, so we were we were very competitive, um, you know, very similar to what Cincinnati's been at that at that level, you know, and then and going to Louisville, is, there's certainly a jump, you know, because you are going up. I think the biggest difference is week in and week out playing the teams that you're playing that have been established teams. You know, um, you know, we, we have Oklahoma, we got Baylor, we got West Virginia, we got, you know, Iowa State, you know, Oklahoma State. You know, these teams have been playing at that high level for a long time. And I think the biggest difference is week in and week out that you're you're leaning, you're hitting, you're, you know, it's a physical game, right? So, you know, you're playing guys and, and that have been recruiting at a high level for, for a long time. I think that's probably the biggest difference, you know, for us moving up to this level now. But we are moving up with Central Florida, Houston, BYU. We play EKU, you know, Miami of Ohio. So we are playing some teams that – are kind of like us moving up in the same, you know, same, same time. So, um, you know, but you do have Pitt. That's a non-conference game. That's always going to be tough uh, to go to Pitt. So, um, but I do think um, having those teams move up with us, you know, coming from the AAC, I think helps um, with, you know, with that situation, but it is going to be different. And, and the weekend week out thing, man, how healthy can you be? Cause I think, I think that's a huge thing. You know, if you got guys getting dinged up and now all of a sudden, you know, you're losing guys, you don't have the depth that you need to be able to compete week in and week out. That's what we got to work on getting that and bringing them more players to be able to sustain the, the physicality that's going to happen week in and week out. Talk a little little actual football here for a second. Nine seasons. I did want to oh, real ahead. quick, I did want to introduce Coach to Pickle. Oh, yeah. is, that, is that who that is, Pickle? Pickle. Yeah, that's yeah. she she, uh, she he shows she, up every time we we get on. As yeah, soon as we hit likes, record, she's she here. likes the camera then, huh? That's right. And yeah. she knows, Coach. Notice Pickle wasn't here when we weren't recording. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Pick, pick, as soon as the red light goes on, Pickle's like, oh, hey. Oh, it's time. Yeah. What's everybody up to? Let's, Let's talk some see, football. see my friends. That's right. <laughs> but uh, nine seasons as a head coach, never worse than 32nd in the country, yards per carry running the ball. What's been – the key, or what do you think the keys are to sustaining that type of success, uh, moving the ball on the ground? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I just believe. I mean, I, number one, I believe in winning football games. And and if you go back, 
and look um, at the test of time in, in football. If you can if you can run the football and stop the run, then you give yourself a great chance to win football games. And and so we've kind of built our teams that way to be able to run the ball, to be able to stop the run. And you know, I, I do believe you got to throw it. You know, we're in a we're in a we're in a day and age now where you know putting the ball in the air, you can get big chunk plays, you can make a lot of yards, um, you can score a lot of points. Um, but I still think at times you have to be able to run the football. And and so, you know, the thing that we've been able to do is, is, is do that. You know, we, we've always had good running backs, um, guys that have been able to make plays. It starts up front with offensive line. And then it also starts with a, a philosophy as coaches to say, all right, how can we run the ball this week? You know, where can we find ways to run it? We've done it a lot of different ways, through, through running backs, through quarterbacks that can run. Um, I've had years where we've had – two 1,000-yard running backs. Um, I've also had years where we've had a 1,000-yard rusher at quarterback and running back, you know. Um, so we've done a lot of different ways. Um, we're going to find ways to be able to run the football no matter who we're playing. And then what it does, it frees up the passing game. It's going gonna, it's gonna to allow guys on the outside, when they get one-on-one matchups, we're going to be able to take the ball down the field and get some big plays in the passing game. So um, we want to be a balanced offense. We want to be able to do both. We're, we're the only team in the last four years in Division One football that's averaged over 200 rushing and 200 passing. You know, so so I do think we are balanced. Whatever you're going to give us, we're going to try to take. Um, but we're not going to shy away from running the football. Wide zone or zone running scheme, make make us all smarter. Make offensive line probably hardest thing for the for the fan to truly understand. Make us all smarter and. And what that really means, yeah. and the, the elements that are critical to do it well, and kind of like how you go about finding the right lineman for that, because they're obviously recruiting a specific type of guy that fits that scheme. So yeah, just, just give us a little bit of insight on on that philosophy and, and how yeah. that's worked so well for you. Yeah, we went to the the stretch zone, the outside zone, whatever you want to call it, back in 2014, 15, right around there. And we also started doing a lot more pistol back then. This is back 2014, 2015. Pistol meaning the running back is right behind the quarterback in the shotgun. And what that does for you is defenses don't know which way that running back's going. When he's in the offset, he's got to go that way. And when he's in the pistol, he can go left, he can go right, he can go up the middle. There's a lot of different ways he can go. So for us, we're trying to get in the pistol, you know, most of the time in the offense. And then line, offensive lineman-wise, we want guys that can move. We want athletic guys that can get guys moving up front, and now that running back is going to create more gaps for the running back. It's, it's amazing to watch the film. When you, when you turn the film on and you, go to, and you go to get the O-line and they're all running to the right and you hand the ball off to the right, where you started at and where the running back is going to make his cut, it could be 10 to 15 yards away from where we started. What that does is creates a lot of space for defenses to be able to fit their gaps in the proper manner. Um, and if they don't, that's when we'll make them pay. And so what we do is create defenses that have to be disciplined. If they're undisciplined, then our running back is going to make them pay and find that, that gap that's going to be free to bust it up the field and get some yards. You know, people sometimes hear zone plays. They think, oh, that's not very physical. Well, it is physical for us. We're going, to, we're going to take our three to four steps, and our running back is going to make the cut and get downhill. And we've been good at it. We've been successful by sticking with it. Sometimes we're going to get a yard. We're going to get two yards. 
And the next thing you know, we're going to get, we're going to bust that 12 yarder, that 14 yarder, that 50 yarder. And, and that's where you're going to get your yards and your big plays. And you're going to wear the defense down. And I think sometimes, you know, I think fans look at that like, you know, sometimes say, oh man, we're not getting any yards right here. Well, we're going to, you know, we're going to be patient. We're going to get these yards. We're also going to get the whole defense to run to the line of scrimmage. And then you're going to think we're going to run the outside zone. We're going to pull it back and then we're going to throw it down the field on you. So it, it, it kind of, it works out very well, you know, doing that. I think um, also what we do with our tight ends is critical. You know, we're going to use our tight ends. We're a big tight end set where we're using one tight end, two tight ends, sometimes three. Um, what that does is create extra gaps along the field where the defense has to defend that. And I know, you know, Cincinnati's had some great tight ends here over the years. Hopefully we'll continue that trend um, of utilizing the tight ends and throwing them the ball, um, but also utilizing them in the block game as well for this outside zone. You guys had Shimon, some, Shimon, some dinos- inter- Yeah, you guys had some say, di- dinosaurs. Shimon. Number in the number forties at Louisville, you don't see many H backs anymore. That's right. Yeah, and, and you know, so one of our best guys at, at Louisville was um, Marshawn Ford was a walk on when we got there. We put him on scholarship, and I mean, all he did was lead the ACC in touchdown catches. You know, in the last four years, so uh, we're going to utilize the tight end. Um, Shimon is, you know, Chad's guy you mentioned. I mean, he, he's a guy that I think can can really excel in what we're doing he's got great size he can run um you know he's a guy that i'm looking forward to working with this spring to see what he can what he's able to do uh, you know i think he's got a lot of talent so um again we haven't worked with them much but what i've seen so far and a few times i've seen him run around the field he's a big time target and so we're going to utilize that um but yeah we love the tight ends and i think you know hopefully we'll be able to get you know more tight ends in here to be able to utilize those guys um, you know, to help our offense out tremendously. What has your impression been so far of that running back room? A lot of guys in there. A lot of, a lot lot of carries, guys. A lot of talent. Yeah, a lot of guys in there that, that have played a lot of ball. And, you know, and those guys are back, you know. And, again, it's, that's going to be one of the positions, I think, this spring that we're going to really evaluate. You know, you get an opportunity. Let's see who makes the, best, the most plays. I think, I think ultimately – those guys have to make guys miss. We're gonna we're gonna free you up to get to the second level. Who can make a safety miss? You know who can who can make him miss to get get the big plays and the big yards. Um, that's what we're gonna be looking for this spring. But also, we ask our running backs to do a lot of things. They got to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, they got to be able to protect. You know when it when it's passing situations. So we really want those those backs that can do all three things. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see who can do that. I mean, as far as blocking, catching, and, and running the football. Defensively, you guys were last year one of the leaders in the nation in sacks and pressures and and things along those lines. Did you have a – you took a big jump, too, from the previous couple of years in, in those areas. Did you – was that a philosophical change? Was it just some guys getting more used to what you were doing? And then how do you balance – being aggressive with leaving yourself vulnerable in almost like being too aggressive at times, or is that even in your guys' mindset that that's a thing? Yeah, I think our, I think, you know, Brian Brown, our defensive coordinator, uh, did a tremendous job at Louisville the last four years. When we got to Louisville and everybody, anybody can look this up, you know, They've given up 50 points, I think, in four or five straight games at the end of the season that year. Didn't win a conference game. One of the worst defenses in the country. And that's what we inherited. And so we get in there, 
and over the last four years produced a defense that led the country in sacks, led the country in takeaways. Like, like to me, why that's not talked about more, that's, it's, it's, it's incredible what job they did defensively um, in the last four years to that defense. And a lot of it was getting the right players for that, you know, those positions that we need. Um, we need pass rushers. We got to, you know, obviously got to have cover guys. But I think the thing that sticks out to me the most about last year defensively is I don't I don't know the exact number. It's 17 or 18 guys that had sacks last year. Our team had 50 sacks. Well, it was spread out. I mean, it's corners, it's safeties, obviously D-line and linebackers. So we do a lot of things defensively. It's a fun defense to watch. You're going to be bringing pressure all over. You know, all the while, most of the time, we're still going to have three deep back there. We're still going to have a good umbrella back there, but the offenses have to figure out which where we're bringing guys from. And I think that was a strength of our defense last year. We go into the Wake Forest game. We're down 14-13 at halftime, and, and our defense created six or seven turnovers in the third quarter. Yeah. And it's 42-14 to 14 after the third quarter. And two touchdowns by the defense. So I'm an offensive guy, but I know we're going to win games if our defense can do that. You know, and so – um, you know, I think that's what we're going to continue to do. I know Cincinnati has been great on defense over the years, and we'll continue to build that out. And uh, I'm excited about working with these guys defensively to see what these guys can do. This is a hypothetical. Hypothetically, athletic directors always have names in the drawer, just in case, you know, something happens, whatever. In coaching, there's a window, and then there's another window kind of around when the NFL ends, how quick are you to that drawer? Like if you need to get to it and how confident are you? All right. I know this is where we're going to go. This, this is the, the call we're going to make so that you don't get caught off guard. You, you don't potentially yeah. go into spring ball down a guy or, or whatever that case may be. Hypothetically. You're talking about, you're talking about coaches? Coaches. Yeah. Assistant yeah, coaches, coaches. Yeah. Yeah. We always have guys, you know, I always have guys that I've, you know, either work with along the way guys that I respect along the way. Um, I do think um, you always have to have guys ready and ready to go. You know, we're obviously we're in a profession where, you know, guys are going to get opportunities, whether it be to move up to be a coordinator, co-coordinators that are position coaches, um, head coaches, you know, so you always have to have guys. And I think, one of the great things that I think we've been able to accomplish and do over the years, and I'm talking back at App State, Louisville, you know, is the, the GAs, the quality control of the analysts. Um, we've been able to take those guys and and really allow them to work, allow them to do a lot of things within the office. When it is their time to go get a full-time job, they're, they're going to be able to go do that. Um, shoot, we, in the last two weeks, we've had five okay. guys. I was going to say. That, yeah, that, that have gone to go get jobs that are that are in that role, GAs, QCs. And you know, and I'm that makes me proud as a head coach to know, hey, people want our guys, and that's a good thing. And those guys go off and they coach and they get experience. And then one day, maybe we hire those guys back. And so there's a good coaching tree out there that I've been, a, been able to be a part of that understand how we operate and how we do things. And we've been we've had a tremendous amount of success. Um, you know, and, and I think we're able to get those guys back and come coach for us. So um, I think that's healthy. I think that's healthy within within our program. You know, if, if nobody's leaving, that means you're not doing a very good job, in my opinion. You know, so so I think you always want to have guys that are doing a great job that people want. You know, and you know what? I've had more coaches 
that come in my office that are shedding tears because they don't want to leave. But it's such a great opportunity. They have to leave. And I was like, man, you know, go, go do it, man. You got to go do it. But that tells me they love the environment. They love working within our program. Um, and that means it's a healthy program. So that's, that, I mean, I'm excited about that. How's the relationship been with uh, you and coach Manning so far? I know you guys had a, a previous connection, but yeah. how are you, uh, how are you guys building together and kind of bouncing ideas yeah. off the wall? He's been great. You know, it's amazing to me. I was with him one year in 2009, but it's like we've known each other the whole time in between those, those years. I mean, it, it, it really is. And, uh, you know, he's got such great experience in the big 12 in the state of Ohio um, you know, a Mountain Union guy, um, he's, you know, Tom's a winner. Um, that's all he knows. Um, he's been a big part of that and winning everywhere he's been. Um, he's been tremendous. He's been great for our staff. He's brought a lot of great ideas, you know, because because offensively, philosophy-wise, very similar, some of the things that he's been doing over the last few years. And now we kind of mirroring some of those things and, and kind of meshing them together, what we've been doing. Um but it's been great to work with him. And I think um, I'm really excited about what he's going to add to the table of things that we've been doing offensively that I hopefully will make our, our offense better and more efficient. Dave, you got anything else before we, we look, we keep you here for the whole hour and a half, but I know you got stuff to do and we'll have plenty of other times that we'll get to chat down the road. No, it's, it's been great. I know uh, we, we've shoot tonight. We had, um, we had close to 20 high school coaches, head coaches in the area come over here tonight and kind of just fellowship and hang out with our assistant coaches. I think, again, it just speaks to the priority that we have with this area and high school coaches and how much they mean to us. And we know that uh, we want to let them know that. And so we've had them, those guys over here tonight um, hanging out, talking ball and, and really just getting to know us as coaches. And uh, we're going to continue that relationship, but um, but it's an exciting time for us. And um, with Cincinnati football, we're excited about you know moving forward. One more quick one, Dave. You good? No, I'm good. I'll let let Coach get out of here. All right. Well, before we let you go, we got we got a couple things to take care of. Season ticket renewal deposits through March 31st. GoBearCats.com/slash/tickets. It's going to be an exciting brand of football. It's going to be in a in an incredible new league. Five home games in the Big 12. Seven home games overall. People aren't going to want to miss out, right? Absolutely. Yeah, go get your tickets, man. It's going to be fun. I can't wait to hear. I've heard all about it, of how awesome it is out here in Nippert, man, how how this crowd gets after it. So I can't wait to see it. I'm looking forward to that for sure. Nippert at night, there's nothing in the country. There's nothing better. There's nothing like it. Also, shout out to Cincy Reigns. Go to cincyreigns.org if you want to help Coach Satterfield and the football staff. Uh, take care of their guys and continue to build this program into uh, a force in the Big 12. So, as always, we got to give Cincy Reigns a shout out. Uh, have you met B. Fox yet? You haven't met Brian Fox yet that runs Cincy Reigns? I have not yet. Keep keep your guard up. He's I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a good, he's a good friend of mine, and he's he's a good friend of the program. We had him on uh, with John Cunningham a couple weeks ago. So. Uh, awesome. Yeah, no bigger bear cat than B Fox. So uh, let, let me know. I, I'll, I'll arrange that meeting. We'll, we'll, yeah, that'd be good. All right. We'll get it together. Perfect. Thanks coach. Appreciate it. Get back right. to it. Appreciate you, Thank you coach. All right. Thank Take you. Head coach Scott Satterfield joining us for the first time on the Bearcat journal podcast. It's good stuff. It's very good stuff. I think a good I like, introductory. I like talking ball. 
Yeah, like it, that's you know not the uh, not the generic version of of a coach interview. Like let's let's get down and talk some ball. That's right. And he uh, he loves to jump on that. So we are we're what man? We're done, right? Oh yeah, that's it. Everybody, good night. <laughs> I, was, I was just gonna say we're like we're what two and a half weeks from the start of spring ball. Yeah, I think what I think I tweeted out nineteen days last night. I think it's something like that. It's the yeah. sixth. So, yeah. I mean, whoo, it's, it's getting here fast, very fast. Any, any other football stuff you want to touch on? You want to talk about the, anything, the, the Kelsey's Brian cook, getting himself a, a uh, ring. I don't know. I don't really care about any of that. I'm still very bitter <laughs> as I watched the, Eagles defense fold like a cheap suit in the second half. It just made me more mad. Um, and it watched it play on a field that was a disaster that obviously would have helped the Bengals offensive line. So, uh, no, I don't have any interest in talking at all about the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> I did see today that the Big 12 was the highest scoring league in the country last year, averaging mm-hmm. 32 points a game. So we better better buckle that up, better buckle that up. Uh, the the days season. of holding teams to 10 and 14 and 17. They went out the window. There's not going to be a lot of those. They went out the window with the days of playing, you know, Temple and Yukon and Tulsa and Well, but I mean Coach didn't say shit about living under a rock. Nice that our coach isn't a worm or a grub. <laughs> I just mean, like, even SMU, like, they would have a high-powered offense. They'd play Cincinnati, and they'd score 12. Right, 20, yeah, 20 or something. Right, yeah. I'm just you're saying. Gonna, like, you need to put up some points. You're going you're gonna to have to uh, ramp up the octane. Yeah. The, uh, the, the Tyler game. Scott hype train is officially on the tracks. I feel, I feel confident in saying that. Yeah. Uh, he is in Dane Brugler's top 50 player rankings. Uh, Matt Miller had a tweet about him being like that, you know, second round guy that that blows up over this whole period. Um, Mike Renner from PFF. I don't know. Sent out a tweet. I don't know if he called him a sleeper or riser. I don't know, who knows? But yes, just uh, a guy that he's got pretty high on his uh, radar. Yeah. So it uh not a huge surprise but uh you know will be qu- should be quite a weapon in the slot uh for 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 a NFL team so I'll be interested to see obviously with the combine starting in 2 weeks from today uh you know it'll be interesting to see how he runs how I think I'm interested I think I'm most interested to see how he runs and how Josh runs at if he weighs in at 260. Yeah. I know we've obviously, a good obviously seen uh, a lot of changes from the senior bowl to the combine, as in we saw my Jay Sanders go from a defensive end to a skinny wide a receiver <laughs> uh, in those like two, three weeks. But uh, I think those didn't are the he, two. Didn't he have the flu though? In all yeah, fairness. He might have, but he still lost like an insane amount of weight. Yeah. Uh, 
But uh, and then he, had, he actually ended up having a, a pretty darn good second half of his rookie season. He did. Um, he came on strong. If you weren't like, if you didn't pay attention to Arizona because they, but weren't she really relevant. had no reason to because they stunk. I mean, they had right. like what the second pick, third pick. Yeah. Uh, but he actually was had a pretty productive second half of the year once they got him on the field. Um, but I think those are the two things I'll be looking at the most. I mean, obviously, Ivan Pace's size, you're gonna he's gonna need to run well. But I think, I mean, he we've said it so many times. Like he is what he is. Like you're drafting him to be a attacking. Uh, pass rushing linebacker, um, whether he runs a four five five or four six two, I'm not sure matters. So uh, th- those are kind of just the two the two guys I'm looking to see um, what they what they do because that I think they're the ones that could have the most the most uh, a really really strong combine can have the, probably the most impact on those two guys. When's the combine? March. March starts March second. So okay. it's two weeks from today. So you're already in pre-draft mode. Oh yeah, I'm there now. I'm starting to look at guys specifically for the Bengals and and guys that I like and and starting to you know see see what you know guys. Have you I, mocked yet? Have you mocked yet? Uh, I mean, I do like the PFF uh, mock simulator. I do like a five rounder each Monday. Just not really so much as like anything near what I think or want, just kind of like seeing what guys are available as this goes. Cause that'll all change as they update their rankings and things like that. So it's just kind of getting sure. familiar with, with players. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm pretty good with the offensive guys and I don't know a ton about the defensive guys right now. So but I'm Fair. leaning very heavy offense this draft for the Bengals anyway, so that's that is my hope that they do the same. All right. Well, I guess we gotta at least touch on it. <laughs> I don't really have much to say. <laughs> Seventy-five, I, seventy-one. I don't have a whole. I mean, we we actually long... I do have a little bit to say, and I'll, I'll I want to get your opinion on on this. Okay. So then say it. Let's hear. Um, it. I think the frustrating part about the Tulane game was that, in my eyes, it was a missed opportunity. Sure. In that you were winning on the road against a team that we think is pretty good, and at a point was ahead in the, of you in the standings. At a point in the season, you're trying to get those quality road wins, and I think winning yep. that game would have said a lot about the Bearcats. And we had a good dialogue on it, and it was not like – it was frustrating that they lost, but it was totally understandable that that situation could happen. Sure. You blow a seven-point lead in two and a half minutes to a pretty good team on the road. Like, that's not an out really of – score. That's not an out-of-the-ordinary thing that happens. That probably happens once or twice a week around the country, if not more. Sure. So the frustration came from the opportunity lost. The frustration Correct. from last night is to me is totally different in the sense of Agreed. the frustration last night is that you played well enough, regardless of who was available, to be beating a bad team by 16. Mm-hmm. And with nine, and you figured out a way to screw it all up. 
They, they have were beaten. they have two wins before last night in the calendar year 2023. Mm-hmm. I, I did some research today for this. <laughs> okay. We You're not going to get much pushback from me tonight. I'll, no, I'll tell you that right now. I, I know. I'm just, but like we knew UC was an old team coming into the year. Sure. They're an even older team when you take into account two guys that haven't really played, you know, John and Rob. But I looked at their, what, what I would call their top six right now. Do you know how many career starts their top six has? 500. 445. I was in I was in the ballpark. Yeah. I'd say that's ballpark. 26 years of college basketball experience. Yep. Head coach with 12 years experience as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many starts East Carolina's? I just went by minutes because I don't know who's, you know, technically their best players or whatever. I went by minutes in last night's game. Do you know how many mm-hmm. starts those six guys have in their career? Less than 100. 109. Something. 109, okay. 109. 11 years of college basketball experience. Their head mm-hmm. coach, first-time head coach. Mm-hmm. I'd, like, that's the part that I'm just, like, floored by is, yes, we don't make shots and that happens, but, like, where is the veteran understanding of what needs to happen in when things start to get off the tracks? Where's See, where is the toughness in either getting a rebound or getting the stop or getting the basket? Whether it's a three, a layup, a foul, like I don't get at this point, I don't care. I know that was a thing that we talked about yeah. um, last week, two weeks ago, whatever. Like that's inconsequential to me at this point. Like, like, come on, man. 445 career starts against a team that basically plays all freshmen and sophomores. Here was my major issue last night. Yeah, you go into halftime and, and you're winning um, on the back of, of J.D. just being having one of those J.D. stretches. Right. He's a, very capable of having. Yeah, yeah. But you, other than that, you weren't playing well. Like, let, let's, let's no. be honest about things here. Um, if you took away J.D. last night in the first half, they were nine for 26 from the floor, and they were one for five from three. That's not a team that's playing particularly well over a half. And, and here's where my issue you were getting beat 13 to three on the offensive glass, they were punking you physically, right? And you didn't correct it. And, and it's look, not like I guarantee, team like, I guarantee with, with, Wes was livid. Oh, I'm sure. But, like, it's not like this was a team that's young but with loads of talent that you're just like, oh, my no. God, these guys are just overwhelming us. They're so good. Like, no. none of these guys you would have recruited. Like, if they would have recruited any of those guys to UC, fans would have been like, what the hell are you recruiting this guy for? Yeah. And then in the second half, they beat you 6-1. to one. You get one, one offensive rebound in the second half. You That's missed. Like, you you get two or three on accident. They missed seventeen shots. They got one offensive rebound. One. And Kerry brought it up, and, he, and he's absolutely right. How many times did they have the ball in their hands? And ECU just said no. Or they, or they, 
or they like got in there, got physical, and knocked it loose, and it, another guy got it, or it went out of bounds off of us. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm just I think like, there was, I think five of their twenty offensive rebounds were out of bounds, were dead ball offensive rebounds, where they're the they were the aggressor the entire night, like up sixteen. I'm thinking to myself, they're probably going to win this, like win this game comfortably, and they have no business being up comfortably because they're they're not their effort was not great, like their 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 toughness in that game was not great. They were up by sixteen because they have substantially more talent and they were making shots. But even if you look at that second half, Dave, when they were up sixteen, they were just trading baskets. Oh, yeah. Like, like there was no dig in and and get a couple stops. Well, on, because, well on two straight possessions. The I think his name's Brandon Johnson just hit wide open, wide open. Jumper, threes from from the top of the key. Like, eh, who cares? Like, yeah. And I guess like that's the that's the difference to me. And I'm sure that there are people that feel the same way as me. Like Tulane, our podcast after Tulane, I was mad tonight. Yeah, I, I just know. don't. I just don't care. Like, it, like you, you can't let a team do that to you. Like, you can't let ECU it, – look, it's an emotional night. It's in their gym. They just had somebody very close to their program die, like, in front of them while they were, you know, preparing for a game. I get all of that, and I, I understand the emotion of all of that. But that emotion is supposed to be, like, a wave of emotion. And then you get your bearings and you handle it. They didn't do that. They just like said being, like being up 16 with nine minutes to go. Right. <laughs> but but ECU never stopped. And Cincinnati right, but, stopped. And you, that's what I mean, though. But you were still up like you were still good enough. Whether you play good, whether they play good, you still were good enough to be in a position against a bad team. Like they're bad. They're bad. No argument for me. They're not good. They were. Plus 200 in offense and defense in Ken Palm. Like, it's, it's way worse of a loss than NKU. Way worse. It's a, it's a substantially worse loss than NKU. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, like, I mean, I, I just, you know, if you're, if the, if the motto, you know, and we can, you know, there's give and take to it, the whole, like, good old, stay old thing, like, Old old veteran teams, this doesn't happen to. Yeah, I mean, I guess the problem, I like the only other thing I will say about that is that none of these guys have won. No, but like they're old, but none of them have won. Like, no, I, I agree, but you would you should still be able to have some. I, look, I'm some not arguing that maturity arguing. to you yeah. to where you're 22, 23 years old playing 18 year old dudes, and they're just they're literally like just. That's my ball. I'm taking it. And they took it. And you didn't you didn't have a response. You were just like, eh, that's all right. We're better than you. We're gonna walk Cruz out of here with a win. That's the look, 18, 19, whatever, those guys are on scholarship too. They're 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 playing with pride. They're not mailing it in. You don't get to just sure. take your foot off the gas and not play with toughness and not not grind out. A 12 point win, right? Like a 10 point win. Just just get to the finish line. A two, and point, like, a two point win. 
Don't yeah. have a twenty have a twenty four to six run, and you win. Twenty six to six. Well, but I mean, like you know what I mean. Like, don't have a twenty six. <laughs> yeah, like, have a twenty to six run. I'm being and an you win. Sorry. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Play play pretty bad, not super bad. Yeah. Yeah. No. And now, now they're up against it. Oh yeah. Like you think they're going back to back roadies? UCF Memphis. Well, isn't Temple in between at home? Oh, maybe they are. I don't. Know. They, but but well you've got there. UCF Temple. I think that's what UCF Temple or or UCF Temple got, Memphis. Yeah. Oh. I mean, either way, it it doesn't matter. I mean, those are three. Yeah, those are three of the teams ahead of you, and like we're zero and five in conference against teams with winning records. On the road. No, overall. No, they beat Tulane. No, they did not. UC yes, did not did. beat Tulane. Yes, they did. Oh, at home. Sorry, sorry. One, one yeah, that's six. what I said, on the one, road. One and six then overall. Okay, yeah. One and, one and but, five overall. Sorry, one and five. No, they've got, they've got four left. It's at UCF, Temple at home Wednesday, at Memphis, SMU at home. I forgot the they season. played. I forgot they had the early game against Tulane. So they're one. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, I, I was just five. clarifying. Yeah, I was just clarifying what you what like whether it was on the road or what you were saying. No, That's no. Fine. But yeah, I mean, you're you you have not done well against the teams that are supposed to be your equals, a step below Houston. Right. And now you have two of those teams on the road and another one of them at home that that's already beat you once. Um. So I mean, like, yeah, UCF six and six in conference. They did right, beat UCF. Yeah, they're at five hundred. But yeah, they they well they lost to Memphis. They're one and one against Tulane. They're zero and one against Temple. Zero and two against Houston. And then zero and two against Houston. Yeah, yeah. So, it's so not I mean, great. like, we're kind of like we talked about you know what we wanted to see weeks ago, like. We're kind of getting into that danger zone for me where it's like you're going to end the season and we're going to look and it's going to be a whole lot of Tulsa, USF, Wichita, and then – but also an East Carolina loss in there where it's like at some point, like I know what the I know what the metrics say. I know what the eye says, but like, like at some point <laughs> – I don't care. You got to win these games. Well, I mean, the the hard here's the hard part for me. Here's the the super frustrating part for me. They beat Tulane there with Vic. If he stays on the floor, they beat ECU with Vic, and, and so it's frustrating because you got to that point where it felt like there was tangible progress. Everybody was kind of feeling better about where things were trending, but it was still such a fine line that one guy goes down. And now you're at that point, like you said, where this shit could all fall apart again down the stretch. I say this um, jokingly, but like Vic should be unanimous AAC player of the year then. <laughs> like if you can't beat fucking UCF or ECU because you don't have him, then. Well, I, I, look, I, the re- <laughs> the, that's neither here nor there. Like that, their defense changes so much when they don't have him because Odie and Kalu, it's not what they do. Like they're. They're not they're not guys that can 
stand at the back end of the defense. Oh, I, I, I totally, and I say that, like I said, totally joking, joking. but like, I know, I know. it should not, like, you should not have this. Well, such a massive drop off just when, like, when one guy, like, I understand you're going to have a drop off. He's one of their best players, but like, to go from, as the metric said, for the majority of the conference season, like the best defensive team in the conference to not being able to get a single stop in nine minutes against a bad offensive team. Like there's got to be something in the middle. It can't be unbelievable to absolute dog shit. (laughs) I'm not arguing there. Because in both of those games, they, they were astonishingly bad without Victor Locken on the floor. So, astonishingly uh, yeah. first, bad. First team All-American with uh, <laughs> with Zach Eady and uh, Drew, Drew Timmy and Vic Locken. But but that is part of the rebuild and trying to to get this roster where it's where it, where it needs and I, and to I, be. And I don't like, you know, I, don't, I think fans can't help it. And I don't, but I don't like it to do the whole like look ahead thing because we have no idea what this roster is going to look like still. Like there could, there could be some massive changes still, but at the same time, I'm like, we're going to replace and maybe, maybe it's better. Like you said, like just being old doesn't necessarily mean better, but like we're replacing, you know, I, I just where you know where's this big jump defensively gonna gonna come? It's gonna come from a bunch of brand new guys that have never played major college basketball. Like that seems to be an unrealistic expectation. Um, In the Big Twelve, right? Regardless of if you think that they're more skilled or whatnot, but like, so a bad, a pretty bad defensive team when they lose one guy is gonna become a better defensive team with younger guys well, than ever. Their best three defenders, right? I get, I get it all, but I, but like you're still playing in a, a crappy league, and you're not, and you're, you know, like if, if you're going toe to toe with top fifteen, top twenty teams every night, and you're like, yeah, we lost our two best players, like or for two best defensive players, then yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna side on that side more often. Maybe I overvalue what UC has. Maybe I overvalue certain elements of it. Like I don't. And maybe that's on me, but like, yeah. Did you did you hear my you you didn't I take it you didn't watch the nightcap last night? I watched the first twenty two minutes, and then someone said something funny, so I turned it off because it was you were getting frustrated, and uh, I didn't uh, didn't need to see anymore. Second half, Dave. Second half. How many points per possession for ECU? Oh, I saw that part. What one point four six? One point four three eight. That is laughably bad. Yeah, laughably bad. One point four three eight. I mean, in the second half and and overtime of the two lane game, they had almost three points a minute. Yeah. (laughs) So it's. I mean, I don't know what three points a minute equals in points per possession, possession, but but it's really high. They're both really bad. Any way you want (laughs) to, any way you want to slice it, it's really high. Oh yeah, Brian. That's what we talked about last night. Uh, first half, uh, uh, second half, and OT versus Tulane, Tulare. Yeah, we'll cut Tulare. I like that. And then uh, the 
the first half against USF, 111 total points. And then they they figured out something, whatever, defensively against USF in the second half and, and pulled away. But, uh, yeah, woof. The defense right now is is hard to watch, man. It's hard to watch. Yeah, I mean you're gonna you're going on the road now against without maybe I mean who knows Vic maybe he plays maybe he doesn't. Uh, I wouldn't hold my breath like, against a team that turned the ball over 25 times and still kind of hung with you in the second half. Not even it's not even the twenty five turnovers, sixteen steals, sixteen live balls. You see in the first half, yeah, uh, and sixteen then, live ball turnovers in that game. I mean, would you call? I mean, I know Marcus Sasser, Jarris Walker, but like, I kind of think Taylor Hendricks is the second best player in the league. I mean, in terms of a prospect, yeah. Without like, without how, possibly Vic, like, how many is he going to have? I mean, he had like 25 with Vic. Yeah, yeah. You want to guard him? I mean, I probably do as bad as they do. <laughs> Sad, probably only a few years older than me, but he feels like a father figure. I want to sit on his knee on a cold winter's night, fireplace <laughs> roaring, and he teaches me what it's like to be a man. So that, the end got a little weird. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if, you don't, if you donate enough to Cincy Reigns, I bet Brian can make that happen for you. Probably. Probably. Uh, no, but I mean, like, I just don't want this to go the same way last year did. Same. Because I do think that there was good momentum, but if you fizzle out again, like, what am I, what am, you know, taking off my, Bearcat Journal hat and just being like, what am I as a fan supposed to be like? Oh yeah, it's going to be great next year. I see all the good things that came of the 2022 season, and we're really building momentum into the Big Twelve. I I I I don't disagree. Like I I get where that comes from, and I'm not one. I'm by no means am I like that. Like there needs to be a change at coach. I mean that's like. You know, you're going to get that just because people get upset and whatever. But like, I mean, in reality, that's that's not going to happen no matter, almost no matter what happens. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, your second year, understand this wasn't a tournament team at any point in the in the preseason. I think we can all agree with that. But we didn't want to see, especially some young, maybe the younger guys, maybe the guys that you do hope come back, see some steps taken with them. Everybody understands what next year is probably going to be. But that doesn't well, change. I think, fa- it doesn't change the fact that it's going to be year three, and then you're going into year four, probably with a pretty, still with a pretty young team, and you know, tr- hoping then you, you know, where does that jump come? And and that might have nothing to do with West. I mean, they might be literally doing everything correctly, everything they can possibly do, but like you just can't. Drop these get like you can't get well, people excited. Look, you can't get people excited about what's going to happen in the Big Twelve while you're losing games to Tulane and ECU. Yeah, the Tulane thing, I like Tulane. It's just, it's just cumulative. Like people were right. upset about that because they blew the lead. 
And right. what we said, like, it's totally understandable why it happened, but you you can't put stack these things on top of each other. That's right. that's the problem. It's like two lane by itself. Okay, whatever. It happens. Two lane followed up a week later or whatever by this. Like that's when people are start start going. Okay, what the heck's going on? Right. Um. Plus, I, I think people would feel like you know this team's at seventeen wins. If they don't shit down their leg at NKU. They hold on against Tulane and ECU. This team's at 20 wins. And I think everybody looked at 20 wins as like, if you get to 20, and, and it's still, I think, true, because you got three of four that aren't easy. Um, if you can get three out of those four, I think we feel a lot better about things. But now we, we feel very uncertain that they're going to get to 20. Oh, or they should at least be at 19 right now. You know what I mean? Right. If you if you get there, yes, but like I mean, give me the reasons why I should think that that's something that's going to happen. Well, now it's completely like show me, like prove it. Right? Now it's not like this team's, you know, 8 9 8 9 days ago, all right, this team's tracking to 20 wins. They're going to probably, they're going to play in the NIT, like worst case scenario, like everything looks pretty good. And now that's, if you, if you're saying with certainty, you think that's still going to happen. I don't know that reality is, is where your, your head is at the moment. No, you, you can't, you can't look at the defensive performance and think that against three of the top six, seven teams in the conference that that two of those being on the road, that that's going to be anywhere near good enough. Without some, knowledge of whether Vic is going to play. Right. Unless something just drastic happens out of, you right. know, a team just has a terrible. Sh See, that's the problem too, is like, you could say, Oh, well, you know, if they have a bad shooting day, well, ECU didn't have a good shooting day. They did in the second half. Yeah. But, but I mean, like, they got back in the game because they just kept getting opportunities. Well, I mean, they shot 58 points. They shot 17 of 29 in the second half of that game. Five of 10 from three. And they missed eight free throws. Yeah, they shot better from the field than they did the line. <laughs> that could have been worse, Dave. Uh, I mean, whether it's whether it's a four-point loss or a 10-point loss. And... I know, but it could have been worse. <laughs> Could have been worse. You got any, uh, by the way, uh, Dave's, Dave Betts, I, I don't know if you have anything in the late games tonight or uh, if you got anything uh, you're looking Iowa, at this weekend. Iowa first half tonight. Okay. Um, new D, like new, new sign up uh, process for Betfred. If you haven't joined Betfred, uh, either go to betfredsports.com or download the app in Ohio. And now you can just use use promo code BCJ one one one, and that'll get you the uh, the Bearcat Journal promotions. Uh, I think they're still doing the hundred and eleven dollar uh, promotion right now, which is uh, one hundred and eleven bucks in credits for the first five weeks uh, of your subscription. So 
BCJ111 is now the promo code. Uh, the the link was too long. Like I, I needed something other than <laughs> trying to post a 118 character link. Yeah. I, t- I took it on the chin last night trying to bounce back. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, you know. I'm glad I didn't go I re- with you then. You sent me a couple. No, I did. And none of them hit. <laughs> it, was, it was a rough night. But I, I went four for four. And I was before, not in so Ohio. It is what it is. Yeah. Some, some, sometimes you're the bug. Sometimes you're the windshield. <sighs> you got much else? Anything else you want to hit on? Any realignment stuff? Anything we haven't talked about since last uh, week? Yeah, I I posted this on the board. So if you want you want to dig through all the all the the big realignment thread, um, I won't read it verbatim. But there is a little something that I'm I'm kind of watching and that is interesting to me. Oh, hold on, we have the breaking news. We just we just got somebody tweeted this at us. Uh, the Pac-12 has finally reached a media rights agreement. Uh, it's called Pac-12 After Dark, and it's going to air on OnlyFans. Oh, I was going to say, if it's Pac-12 After Dark, am I like the studio host? OnlyFans, you might be. Hey, you know, I'm looking for, for additional revenue streams. <laughs> That's outstanding. Um, but I wish they would hurry up and sign their damn deal. So we can find out if there's actually uh, what's called a depression in the sports sports rights bubble. You know, for so long, the word is that the live sports rights bubble will never burst because live sports rights have a tremendous amount of value. And, you know, these companies will just buy up everything because they need the inventory. Well, it... And this is where I, I can't decide what's going to happen and we need them to sign their deal so we can kind of see is it sounds like multiple people over the last couple of weeks have gone away from the idea that inventory is everything, you know, horizontal platform is everything where we remember we used to see ESPN would literally just buy everything. Yeah. Um, now it's sounding more and more like these entities want top line products and not necessarily just a glutton of inventory or the the in vogue word now is tonnage because before it was like i mean even last week there were reports that well the pac-12 needs to add san diego state and SMU because SMU, they yeah. because they were told that they needed inventory to put on these streaming streamers. Well, then this week all of a sudden it's no. Amazon doesn't want tonnage; they just want the highest end stuff, and they might only want one Pac-12 game, which the Pac-12 would be out of their mind to sell them something in in that you know way. But Amazon. The NFL works for Amazon because it's a standalone game that should be a quote-unquote premier game, and it's the NFL. Like, Amazon has an insane amount of inventory already. Like, do they – I guess what's what it's coming down to is do they really need just Oregon every – Washington State. Every Pac-12 game. Like, 
How many subscribers are they truly adding that don't already have Amazon Prime if they add the Pac-12? How many subscribers is ESPN Plus adding if they keep the Pac-12? Right. So, like, I'm waiting to see, because if that's true, you know, if that's true that these entities do not want necessarily inventory, like, ESPN came out and said at the Super Bowl, like, we have to be smarter. We're going to be smarter about what we buy. Well, they're already heavy. They're already the exclusive partner for the SEC and the ACC. You'd have to think they're going to try to re-up with some level of the NBA package. They have the NFL. They have the Big 12. Like, at what point do they go, well, we just don't see the return on what you what package you want us to buy? And kind of the same thing with Amazon. Like, Amazon... At what point are they like, we don't need all of this. We are like, we're not trying to be, I don't think Amazon is trying to be an ESPN plus. Right. The ESPN of streaming or whatever. Like they want the NFL one game. Like they don't want games all day. Like that hundred thousand, 200,000 people are going to watch. Right. Um, so, but we don't know that. And I, I have been in the minority in saying that I've thought that the Pac-12 deal would be very similar to the Big 12 deal, just from a dollar standpoint. And I'm starting to maybe think that that won't be true, but at the same time, like, that's why I just want to see them sign the deal. So we can see, is it a Pac-12 thing or is it truly a everybody but the SEC and the Big 10 thing? Right. And that the bubble is not necessarily going to burst, but it's going to shrink. And they're not going to just hand out these ridiculous 10-year, $2 billion contracts to every you know, college sports league out there. And um, but I do think, Brett, your mark, the one thing I for sure agree with is that him jumping – the Pac-12, and not going to market and re-upping with ESPN and Fox was a brilliant maneuver. Um, Because I think his experience in the industry, him taking a wider lens view of things and seeing that the UFC and WWE – NASCAR and the NBA, all these huge platforms are going to be doing meteorite deals soon. And having a realistic and honest understanding of where the Big 12 probably slides in there and saying that, yeah, maybe we, you know, and then also probably having an understanding that CBS and NBC and Turner weren't going to play to the level that maybe the outside world thought they would and maybe the way that the Pac-12 thought they would. And so it was important to him to re-up with those two companies, which are the two biggest companies for college football, especially, that will promote your team, will give you a good platform, will help you. He's talked about growing the Big 12 geographically, but also just in the mindset of people. Well, you can't grow it anywhere better than being on ESPN and Fox. Right. So, you know, we've heard a lot of from Pac-12 being like, you know, they they undersold. Well, that's easy for them to say. They don't have a deal. 
Right. Would they rather have the deal that that's what I would ask them is like, you think that they, they hurt you by taking this deal and setting the floor. Would you rather have that deal or would you rather be where you're at now? They'd rather have that deal. Right. Uh, I mean, I would think so because if they were getting a better deal, they would have already signed it. Correct. So I think him doing that, because let's be honest, if they, if Bob Bowlesby was the commissioner and things were running the way that they just traditionally did and you kind of waited your turn, so to speak, the Big 12 could very well be right where the Pac-12 is right now. Yeah. Having a bunch of people say, yeah, like, here's what we'll give you. Like, you're just not that valuable. Like, we have other properties that we are either committed to or want to be committed to that you know, we're going to spend our dollars on. And, you know, I'm just very interested to see what it ends up being because I think it'll tell us at least something about the future of of the industry and maybe it's just strictly a pac 12 thing like maybe really like maybe they just don't have the value of right like you don't like everybody talked about the oklahoma state or oklahoma and texas thing maybe not having la really is just like that Kill and me. maybe not having la but like not having the usc right is maybe truly that much of a piece of it yep so i mean i'm hoping that uh I mean, for selfish reasons, I hope that they take months and months and months because it's good comedy. But from just like a an educational standpoint, like I'd like to see where they come in at and and what that what that means yeah. moving forward. They they've got themselves, it would appear, in quite the pickle. Quite the pickle. Pun intended. Where is where it's our favorite co-host. Yeah. She's right here. She just decided she was okay. She didn't need any more camera time. No, she's just sitting over to the side now. Just when Sat was here and numbers were big. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't really have anything else to you. Um, no. Uh, I, I noticed a, a, a particular coach in the UC athletic department retweeted my tweet today about the get the big lineup of guests. Does that mean? Does that mean you had a conversation with him, or, or are we having? Not him yet. Next I week? will. Uh, we can't. I mean, I I know that like we're gonna have the plan is here through the spring, the late the end of the winter and the spring. We are going to have on every member of the football coach coaching staff between and our podcast Nico, and the BBP between us and the BBP. But I know you really want. Yeah, Doug, if you're listening, give us a call. Doug Martin on the show. Uh, I know they start when uh, their first tournament is the weekend of the 26th. So 25th. The 10 yeah, 25th. Days, so we're going to next week is going to be our last podcast before their end season. Yeah. I would love to get a, a season preview. If, if we, if we're able to pull that together, I'll get with my people and we'll get with his people and we will try to get you Doug Martin, UC head golf coach, because they're supposed to have a, they're supposed to have a really good team this year. Um, without knowing everything about every program, I mean, they're easily like the top two or three athletic program in this at school right now. They're strong at the moment. And Doug has long time been a friend of mine and a guy that I, I have nothing but the utmost respect for 
So uh, we will do everything possible to get him on next week for the golf nuts out there. Because we try to spread it around, you know, try to spread the love around. I'm really just trying to grease the wheels of getting to go play some golf in the spring. I know. <laughs> uh, big guest on the rock tonight. Chris Moore. Lots of skyline talk, I'm sure. Probably a lot more skyline talk if they get into that. Uh, but Chris Moore joining the rock tonight. So that'll be, uh, that'll be good. Stick around. They will be on here in about eight minutes. So let's wrap it up, Dave. Again, huge. Thank you. Huge. Thank you to head coach Scott Satterfield, his first experience on the network. And hopefully we, uh, we impressed no generic questions here. We talk ball, right? Dave. That's right. That's what we do. We, We talk ball. So hopefully we will, uh, it will be the first of many, many appearances from Coach Satterfield here on the network. And uh, we are we are looking forward to a lot of talking ball uh, as we get through the rest of this month and into next month and uh, through the spring. Uh, a lot of big guests uh, from the seventh floor of the Lender Center expected to be on the show. And uh, I will do my best to get coach Martin on here next. They play Wednesday. They play temple at seven Wednesday. So we will be back here in this spot at seven 30 uh, next Wednesday or next Thursday. So that's going to wrap it up. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Thanks to coach Satterfield. Thanks to producer extraordinaire, Aaron Smith. This is the Holy grail BCJ podcast right here on bearcatjournal.com. <laughs>